This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. Happy holidays, everyone. Joining us now is a man who's about to present some gifts of his own. <laughs> Specifically insight into just how good this BYU football recruiting class really is. He is Jeff Hansen of 24-7 Sports, friend of the program. Jeff, Merry Christmas. Great to have you back on BYU Sports Nation. Likewise, gentlemen. Happy to be here. All right, let's dive in the numbers, uh, specifically BYU's composite score, their overall rating. How would you assess, maybe if you were to give BYU a grade in this recruiting class, where would you put that percentage and the, uh, the associated grade with that? Yeah, so there's, there's two scales to grade on. Uh, with the, the comparison to the rest of the Big 12, it's still not where it needs to be. I mean, BYU's in year one. You wouldn't expect them to be humming and recruiting like they've been there forever. So they've still got another stride to make. So in that respect, yeah, it's probably a B minus maybe. Okay. But when you compare it to where BYU was a year ago, where BYU was five years ago, the strides that they made this year are huge. It feels like BYU took two or three years worth of recruiting strides in this class. So still a ways to go. But if they can make another jump like they did this year and do that again in the class of 2025 and then again in 2026, you're talking about BYU becoming one of the better recruiting schools in the conference and really competing for Big 12 championships. So relative to where they've been, I mean, this is a this is a B plus A minus type grade. This is a really, really good class. So, Jeff, what's the reason behind that? Why do you think it has taken such a large jump? Is it solely because of the Big 12? Is it the, the addition of Jay Hill to the recruiting staff? Is it all of the above? Why, why do you feel like they've taken such a large leap from one year to the next? You know, I think it is a little bit of everything. And you mentioned Jay Hill. I think the confidence that Jay Hill brings to the recruiting trail really kind of permeated throughout the entire coaching staff. You heard Kalani talk about it uh, uh, both in his press conference and then in other media outlets that in the past going through independence, he was even transparent enough to say they, they kind of did some low hanging fruit recruiting. They got focused on developmental type players because they had to, they didn't have all of the benefits that a, a power school a power conference brings with that behind them. And then with Jay Hill and his energy coming into the program, there was a quiet confidence from this coaching staff throughout the cycle this year that, hey, we can recruit against anybody. And it resulted in flipping guys who were committed from Power 5 schools. They, they flipped them close to signing day. That's a big deal. And BYU's still not done, right? This was the early signing period. There's still more good players to come. I think that that is the, the biggest thing that Jay Hill brought. And really, Kalani had it all along. But the Big 12, the new coaching staff, they brought some confidence and swagger to the recruiting trail that BYU sat down in the houses, you know, with, with families and with these recruits. And they thought, hey, look, you you want to be here. Even if you have other options, we're a good option and you want to be here. And they recruited with that swagger. It was it was fun to see. Jeff Hansen of 24-7 Sports, a BYU football recruiting expert is on BYU Sports Nation. I know you've been asked this question multiple times and specifically on this show, but let's explain it again because I think there's still some confusion about, well, what's the average star that the BYU recruit in this signing class had compared to the overall composite score? Clearly, BYU coaches are more focused on the overall composite score, but why is that compared to just the straight star system, Jeff? 
Yeah. So the way that the, that we do it on twenty four seven sports is it's a it's really kind of a sixty to a hundred scale, right? And a four star recruit is anybody who's ninety to ninety six, and then ninety seven and above is a five star recruit. Anybody from eighty to eighty nine is a three star. So really, you could get a three star recruit who's rated an eighty. They're just one step above a two-star recruit. Or you can get a three-star recruit who's knocking on the door of four-star status rated an 88 or an 89. Because of just the way that the numbers work and there's not a uniform uh, scoring system across every platform, you kind of have to look at what those those stars mean. Five stars isn't really enough. You really need like eight stars to really get to the, to the <laughs> able to divide it up and say, yeah, this is a three-star guy, but he's kind of a low three-star guy versus a... This is a three-star guy who was knocking on the door uh, of being four-star where everybody starts fawning over him as a, a blue chip type of a player. Uh, BYU continues to trend in the right direction in that composite score rating. Uh, it's still, like I said before, it, it's not quite where they need to be to get to like big 12 championship type levels, but it's a big step from where they were a few years ago and it continues to point in the right direction. All right, the composite score is right around 86. Where does it need to be? for BYU, in your opinion, to compete for a Big 12 championship? Yeah, you look at Utah, right? That's the easiest school to look at, and we're all kind of probably sort of paying attention anyways. Uh, they're at about 87, 87 and a half, and they're starting to compete for, you know, Pac-12 championships. And I think that that's the ballpark. I think BYU, with the nature of missions and how many guys are coming back, and, and, and I guess just the extended life cycle of a player on the roster – it's not, a, you know, there's a threshold of, oh, 87 is going to happen. Now BYU is a championship team. But that's the ballpark that BYU needs to be in. If they could just increase it, keep going on the pace, the pace that they're on, then they're right there in the next couple of years. Jeff, you mentioned how BYU was able to get a couple of guys to flip from previous commitments at other schools. And everybody loves that. People love when, when, they, when they think they're out and then they're able to, to bring somebody in. It gets them excited. Um, who's... Maybe the biggest surprise that BYU was able to sign. Is there, is there somebody, whether it was a flip or maybe just a late commit, that maybe you weren't 100% sure and you got him and it was a big deal? Who was the biggest surprise in your opinion? Uh, for me, it's Danny Saili. And he was a flip, but I, I was happy to celebrate flipness a little bit earlier this week <laughs> because Danny Saili, man, he's a big deal. He was committed to Oklahoma originally and then to Texas Tech. Uh, we most people I didn't know that he even had an offer and was being actively recruited by BYU up until he showed up on a visit and then flipped his a commitment just a couple of days later. He's a mountain of a human being. It's really easy to look at him and say, whoa, BYU found another Kairos Tonga yep. because that's that's who he is. He's 355 pounds. He's 6'3". Uh, if he wanted to pick me up and just chuck me down the field like a javelin, I mean, that's the kind of guy that he is. <laughs> Uh, BYU struggled stopping the run. They got bullied a little bit on the defensive line. Saili's not going to be bullied by anybody. Uh, so that was a big, uh, it was a big surprise, but also a huge addition for, for the class immediately for, for the roster in 2024. Jeff Hansen is with us on BYU Sports Nation, breaking down the BYU football recruiting class. Who's the under the radar signing that has you excited, Jeff? And maybe the guy that's like, see, I told you this dude was going to be awesome. Uh, for me, it's it's Tommy Prassus. Uh, really? Nobody's really talking about him, but you look at the construct of the BYU roster right now in the safety position, especially coming out of this last year where there were so many injuries at the safety spot. Most of BYU safeties right now are strong safeties. 
I mean, Preston Rex is kind of the only guy that I look at and say he's probably a free safety. And even Preston Rex, I think, could go either way. BYU doesn't have very many true frees on the roster right now. Tommy Prassus is a guy who's a true free safety. I think the opportunity for very early playing time is going to be there for Tommy. And what I know about Jay Hill, following him closely at Weber State, Football IQ is the number one most important thing for him when he gets a free safety onto the field. He wants somebody who's going to be in the right spot every single time. Tommy Prassus is one of the smartest football players in this class. One of the smartest football players that I've covered coming out of high school. Wow! I think because of that, he's going to have an opportunity to, to get on the field very early. And people are going to be wondering, how did this you know low three-star guy get on the field so soon? Opportunity is there, and he is incredibly bright and he makes enough football plays that I think he's going to earn time. You know, Jeff, I know it will surprise you, but people do care about BYU quarterbacks. Uh, and the <laughs> Cougars did sign uh, a couple of quarterbacks out of high school. What, what's, what's been your thought on, on the, the recruitment of the quarterbacks and now bringing them into this program? Well, I'll start with Noah Lugo because he, he'll join right away. Uh, somebody asked me this week if, who I thought could help win games next year. And I think it's Noah Lugo. Now, I don't think he's an elite passer today. I think he's got some work to do. His arm strength needs to improve. But one thing that he is on day one is he is as elite of an athlete that we will see at the quarterback position. We don't, I mean, he's, not, he's not Taysom Hill, but he is a phenomenal athlete. He's a hurdler. He can run. And I think with BYU's offensive scheme and the physicality that a new offensive line coach and TJ Woods is going to bring – I think that this coaching staff can scheme wins with a guy like Noah Lugo, even early on because of what he brings to the table. Still has to develop as a passer. He'll have to improve. It would not look like traditional BYU football if Lugo's in there as a true freshman, but I think he has the ability to carry an offense, and, and he, he plays with some swagger too. And then BYU signed Enoch Watson. I love Enoch Watson. I love so much about Enoch Watson. The best thing that he did was transfer into that American Leadership uh, Academy program with Max Hall, with Ty Detmer. He got elite coaching in high school and, and really, really took off as a senior. He'll go on a mission, and then when he comes back, as soon as he's able to shake off that mission rust, I think he'll compete for time. He's a pretty special athlete, too. He's the little brother of Pearson Watson, who signed a couple of years ago. Uh, BYU is in his blood, and, and athleticism is right there. All right, Jeff, uh, as we close out, need to ask you, who is on your list for immediate impact players. I believe that you're going to say Danny Saili, but who else is there for immediate impact players in this class? Yeah, so, uh, Reiner Swanson looks ready to play today. If you see him, I mean, his hands are huge. He's got deltoids on his arm. Like, people who are 245 pounds aren't, like, built and shaped and cut like Reiner Swanson is. He looks like he's NFL body ready and he's still only 17 years old. He's still just young. I mean, even for a senior in high school, he's young. Uh, he's ready to go. I think right away uh, and there will be need, right? There will be opportunity that that's one of the biggest things. It's sort of like fantasy football, trying to guess who's going to play early on. You've got to find somebody who's going to get the opportunity and, and where there's a roster need. And with Isaac Rex leaving, there's some guys in the room. Uh, Jackson Bauer certainly is going to be there. Uh, Ethan Erickson got some reps as well. But Ryder Swanson's going to have an opportunity to come in, impress during spring ball, and then earn playing time later this fall. And physically, he's ready to go today. Great stuff, Jeff. We appreciate the time as always. I need you to do me a favor, and maybe this is my Christmas ask from you. 
I need to know if there's anything to the conspiracy theory that when BYU offers a recruit, they drop a star. Okay? I mean, I, I need to know. Spencer, you know I'm a sucker for a conspiracy theory. <laughs> if there's anybody who's going to cons- support a conspiracy theory, it's me. But I can tell you, this one, this one we can debunk. There's no conspiracy. There's no conspiracy. It does There's not, not. Does I not wish happen there was. that way. <laughs> if there was, man, I'd get the tinfoil right now and we'd, we'd go to town. Oh, fair enough. Jeff, Merry Christmas, man. Uh, we'll be talking to you again soon. Thanks, Jeff. Appreciate you guys. Have a good one. Jeff Hansen, the 24-7 Sports on the BYU football recruiting class. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. She left the game to get staples in her head. No numbing, no anything, came right back in. Smiler open three for the lead! If that doesn't show toughness and grit, I don't know what does. Haley Smiler is unconscious! An unforgettable Saturday for Kaylee Smiler and BYU women's basketball, to Myla. say the least. A dramatic comeback and with some heroics on Smiler's part. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. We are live in Studio B and we have that hero with us in the Cougar Council Room. Kaylee, welcome to BYU oh, Sports Nation. <laughs> after just a wild weekend for you. Yeah, how was Saturday? Oh, yeah, it was interesting. Definitely a lot of drama. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's just recap for uh, those that may not be familiar with this. Okay, so your, your family, in large part, has not had the opportunity to ever collectively watch you play a basketball game in person. Yeah. Correct? Yeah. Okay. So with that backdrop, in the game, you take an elbow to the top of your head. You get your head split open. Yeah. <laughs> You're feeling, I'm sure, just a, cer- a certain uh, urge to and, and, and want the doctors to rush to get you back on the floor. So you have eight staples put in your head with no numbing, and then you come in and you score eight points in like a two-minute span, including two huge threes, and you were the hero in the fourth quarter. So, yeah, pretty good weekend. How would you sum up the emotions of all of that as you were going through it? Um, well, before the game, Amber had come to me and asked if I wanted that game to be my senior night because my, my family probably won't make it to my senior night You know, next year. This is like their one time coming for Christmas break. She's like, do you want it? We can walk out. And I was like, oh, I don't love the attention. I was like, no, it's okay. I'll do it with Lauren Gaston. It'll be fine. But in the back of my head, I was like, oh, you know, this is my family's one game. I'll treat it like it's a senior night, do my best. Of course, when I get injured, only in the second quarter, only been out there for 10 minutes, only scored two points. I wasn't, um, what's the word, like hurt. I wasn't thinking about how in pain I was. I was I was more angry. I was like, are you serious right now? Like 10 minutes. (laughs) So, you know, we rushed to the back and the the doctors are amazing. And Jeff is amazing, our trainer. And they're trying to do all these tests. And I was like, I'm good. I'm not concussed. There's four of you. Two times two is four. Like just (laughs) naming all these things. You're wearing purple. The score is this. You're you're the one saying it. I'm the one saying it. I know the questions. Here they are. You're giving yourself the concussion protocol test. Yeah. Yeah. I'm saying as quick as I can. The, the longest part was honestly just changing my uniform because once it split, like all the blood had drained down my neck and shirt and uniform. And we were wearing white. <laughs> of it kind of would have been cool to keep the bloody uni, though. Just like, hey, look what Hang I've it. gone through today. <laughs> yeah. You had to change it. Yeah, so same thing. Like Kyle, our uniform man, he was onto it. So everyone backstage did an amazing job to get me out quick so that I was back in time for third and fourth quarter. Okay, but the eight staples with no numbing. Yes, let's talk about that. The deci- well, <laughs> Are you told, like, okay, we need to do eight staples? 
do you want numbing or not? Like, what's that process like? I feel, see, I'm not sure what the process was. One, um, it may have hurt a little bit, but you know, I was still gonna play. <laughs> and a little bit, that's just it. Just a little bit, yeah. And when we were back there, they put alcohol on it to clean it. So yeah. I knew that they had cleaned it. And I'm no doctor, but they may have put some kind of numbing gel. So that made sense. Because in my head, I was like, maybe they're going to inject me or do something to numb it. Mm. And that's why it hurt less. But yeah, if anyone out there is like a, a doctor or trainer who's watching this and they're like, they probably put numbing gel on her. That's probably what happened. <laughs> Coming out with the truth. Yeah, no, that, that's incredible regardless. Like the fact that you have the eight staples. And you were, you were very emotional in the post-game interview about, hey, I had to get back out there. What, what compelled you to feel like, okay, no matter what, I got to figure this out because it's like the only time everybody's together. It was an obvious choice, it seemed like, but you still had to do it. Right. You had to overcome that pain. You had to overcome that moment. Yes, I mean, I think it's just something I'm brought up with, just generally, like, culture-wise, family-wise, BYU-wise. Um, everyone's told me, you know, you just deal through it, fight through it. I wanted to be out there, and it did feel emotional because, you know, like, I'm still trying to focus. I still had to shoot, like, the free throws at the end, and it was like once the whole game was done, then I could relax. And I'm, like, looking up to my family, like, looking at my mom, like, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> She's so concerned making my sister go down to the training room and bust through all the doctors, being like, where is she? Is she okay? Um, yeah, very emotional game. And it would have been enough to just, just get back in yes, there. Yes, just, just get in the, the game. But then you come in and Spencer's like, she's unconscious. Like, luckily you weren't after being hit in the head. <laughs> it, like, you know, opened up this new space for you or whatever. But you have this incredible performance, career high. What did it mean to have that performance on that day, given the circumstances and the situation? Well, I feel like I had to make the most of that time. And my parents joke about it, too, after the game. Like, man, we got everything. You know, we got an injury. <laughs> we got a threes. We got the free throws at the end. We got the overtime. <laughs> like, and a win. If they only get one game to watch me, I just shoved everything I possibly could into that it. That was, like, the best thing ever. Yeah. 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 Well, let's, okay, let's rewind to the fourth quarter because BYU is down by 13. And... Things are not looking good. Yeah, so as Jerem said, it's enough for you to get back on the floor and just play in front of your family. But now you are the catalyst for this 18-0 run or 21-2 or whatever it was, however you want to like bracket that. An incredible run to come back and take the lead and push it to overtime. So what's your mentality down 13 with eight minutes to play against a team that on paper you should beat? Right. Um, so the play that we set up for me to get the three that they keep posting online, we've practiced that before so we were prepared to run that it was more like oh we're running this play that means the coaches trust me enough to make this shot and so I respect them a ton I was like if they trust me then I should have confidence in myself to make it so when I made it I was like cool we're going to be on a run also in overtime we do like five minute um, scrimmages at the end of practice every single day so when it was overtime we were looking at each other like oh this is just an end of practice like staples we got it oh the reference that wasn't meant to happen. <laughs> um, That's perfect. Yeah. It's perfect. Hey, staples. Yeah. Yeah. And then also shout out to, like, you know, our freshmen, Kaylee Woolston and Mari Whiting. You know, this is their first time being in an environment like this and the pressure's on. They did an amazing job. And, of course, our, our returners, Gaston, like, the two of us trying to work together as captains. Emma Calvert's always our, like, she's the one who did the, the talk at the beginning with the referees that the captains are supposed to. <laughs> she's our unspoken captain as well. So just hopefully me being able to be out there to calm everybody down um, and have that experience 
hopefully helped. <laughs> What's the biggest difference between uh, this group from last year to this year? Because you're off to a 9-2 and two start. You've got some young guns in the backcourt, like you mentioned. You know, Nani has left the team midseason. You've dealt with the emotions of that and the, the pr lack of production of that. Yet you guys have uh, jumped out to 9-2 and two so far. What has it taken this year? Um, yeah, we were thinking about that too. Last year, when it came to those close moment times, I feel like we just couldn't make it or the chemistry wasn't there or yeah. the, you know, the extra pass or the, I just feel like the, the belief that we could, if we stay connected towards the end, we don't need like a miracle play or, and we don't need to come up with something ourselves. If we just listen to the people who know what they're supposed to do, then it's supposed to work. And so that was amazing to see in the game as well. Like finally got to a pressure moment. We're like, okay, this happened last year as well. Normally last year too, a halftime would be up and then would slowly drag to the end. But I felt like that other game we had switched and we're like, no, just stick, stick to the basics and we'll be good. Kaylee Smiler is with us on BYU Sports Nation. We just mentioned Nani Falatea. Your good friend Ari Mackey-Williams has a devastating knee injury that keeps her out for the duration of this season. So between losing Ari and Nani, how is the team adjusting to not having those two key cogs like you thought they would be a few months back? Um, me and Kaylee, for sure, getting more dribbling drills in. <laughs> Got to learn how to bring that ball up the court. Not learn, but, you know, get used to be comfortable doing it and Amari's doing an amazing job I just still got to talk about her she came off an ACL injury you know just last mm -hmm. season in high school and so for to be able to step up to that role um, I admire her a ton we'll be good I was like spread, spread across the board with the amount of guards that we have and the help from our bigs you know <laughs> I don't know if you saw but we're mocking uh Lauren Gusson, you know, like PG Lauren when she's getting that fast break. <laughs> like, yep, she went all the way. That was yeah. awesome. So it's not only us that's getting the board handling in, it's, it's everyone across the board. <laughs> Are you more comfortable bringing the ball up the court or doing the hako? Oh, hako, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a fair question. If you can do both at the same time, that'd be really impressive. That's the next level. Okay, big road trip. You're going to play Missouri State. This is a team that over time has gone to five Sweet 16s. Like, they go to the tourney. They're a tough team. You've uh, played them, I, I believe, uh, recently, last couple of years. And then Nevada the next day, it's like less than 24 hours, two games. What will it take to come away with a couple of victories in Missouri? I'm just treated like every other game. You know, it doesn't matter if they you know, care about rankings. Amber always says grab them by the horns. <laughs> and so, you know, when you see a fight come, you don't, you don't back away. You go towards it. Um, you know, the coaches always have a great scout, so we'll always be prepared. I'll practice, boys. If we can beat them, then we can beat anybody. They're a good bunch. And so we'll be good. Two more games for Big 12 play begins. Let's give you some BYU Sports Nation karma to uh, heal up, you know, <laughs> and hopefully that, that uh, closes up real quick. How, by the way, are the staples still in? They're still in. Yeah, my hair's hiding it. <laughs> <laughs> How long wow. do they have to stay in? That's wild. For like another eight days. Yeah. Mm. You're going to play with staples. Play with staples, yeah. yeah. It's like one like starts coming out during the game. You just pat it back down. Like, <laughs> Listen, if you, go, if you go nuts, you go off again, maybe you should just leave them in there for the duration. <laughs> okay. That's Lucky wild. staples. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, don't go, go off in the metal detector at the uh, airport. Like, oh I actually have eight staples. I need to go over here. Good luck in Missouri. Good Thanks. Luck, Thank you. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Follow BYU Sports Nation, like Jay Hill, on social media for content throughout the day. Facebook, 
Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Welcome back to Studio B. I am Spencer. He is Jerem. Let's roll out your Thursday headlines. BYU football signs 27 players yesterday, part of a national signing day. 22 from high school, five transfers, 17 on defense, seven on offense. Three on special teams. Some notable signees included four-star tight end Reiner Swanson and four-star defensive end DeVoe Tuatunga. In yesterday's National Signing Day press conference, offensive coordinator Aaron Roderick announcing that wide receiver Keanu Hill, we just talked about it, will be returning for another season. Yeah. I love it! But will move to play tight end in 2024. I like it. I love it too. That room needs it. He's awesome. And that offensive lineman Braden Kime will also return for another season. Love that bit of news as well. And BYU wide receiver punt returner Hobbs Nyberg has entered the transfer portal. Sure-handed punt return guy. We wish Hobbs the best of luck wherever he lands. Bronco Mendenhall has hired two BYU staffers on his new staff in New Mexico and Jan Jorgensen as the edge coach and Pat Hickman as chief of staff and director of player personnel. Other former Cougs uh, who played or coached at BYU on the staff include Nick Howell, Jaw, aka Jason Beck, Shane Hunter, Famika and I who had the greatest one game of any BYU Cougar ever at O-line, and Micah Simon. So congrats to those guys. That's awesome. I've become a huge fan of BYU Albuquerque. I can't wait to watch them play. Breaking Bad meets Brigham. BYU Albuquerque for the win. Hot air balloons for the win. <laughs> Into the NFL, Puka Nakua. Spoke with him on Sunday. We aired that on Monday. He's awesome. Short week for him. As the Rams host the New Orleans Saints, Taysom Hill, Jamal Williams, Daniel Sorensen, all in SoFi Stadium tonight in front of a huge national audience. Puka's just 311 yards away from the NFL rookie receiving record for yards with three games to go. He's only uh, 14 catches away from the most catches by wow. a rookie receiver as well. Did you say 311? Yeah. <laughs> go. I love 311. Amber is the color of your energy. Yes, it is. Uh... <laughs> so many things fake. <laughs> Women's basketball, unfortunately, lost to Missouri State last night, 56-55. By last night, I mean yesterday afternoon. Yes. Cooks had a chance to tie the game at the free throw line at .1 seconds left. They did not. They're back at it today, right after the show, at 1 Eastern only on BYU Radio. Shut Dizzle! Yep, he's got the call. Let's hope uh, today's game is not a beautiful disaster. <laughs> it's the 311. <laughs> nice. Thank you. Ties continue. Thank you. I got stories, bro. <laughs> Those are today's headlines. Now we whip it. Cougar Whip Round presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. It's been well documented. BYU likes to uh, shoot threes this year. So Gregor Bell posted some numbers earlier this week. BYU's averaging 12.45 three-point pointers Woo! a game. The 14-team Big 12. The gap between BYU and second place Oklahoma State, uh-huh. 9.2 and threes per game, is greater than the gap between second and last place. Is this the key to having a successful year? Just like make and take threes. Apparently it is for this BYU team. Until it changes, it is. They've shown us enough. We've seen enough of this sample size, right? To think, okay, this is working for BYU. Is it too live and die? Is BYU too dependent on the three? People would argue that that was the case against Utah in BYU's lone loss. Is that they just, because they I, couldn't hit threes, that's why they lost. It's gonna be an outlier though. Because this, here's the key to this. You have enough good shooters. Yes. It's they not can't. about taking threes. It's about who is taking what threes. And so far, it's been awesome. That didn't work at Utah. Utah took BYU out of that. They forced them up. They made an adjustment. They got to the basket more. Yes. They competed in that game in a way that uh, was, was uh, memorable, but unfortunately lost. 
I don't see that many times where BYU's gonna go seven for 30 this year. I just don't. It's the only game BYU has not hit at least 10 three-pointers in. Yeah. Make 10 threes, win the game. I think it's as simple as that right now. Seriously, you make 10 threes, they wanna make 12. In the Big 12, you might need more. We'll see. Make 10, you'll be in a lot of games then. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, speaking of 10, number 10, Baylor, has now lost back-to-back -back games against great teams. Michigan State, and now number 21, Duke. Does Baylor now appear more gettable for BYU on January 9th in Waco? Uh, I, I, no. I, Duke's good. Michigan State <laughs> did lose to James Madison early. They've struggled a little bit, but Baylor was down 28 and half in the game. Crazy. Uh, I believe that Baylor is gettable in Kansas and Houston, but you always got to uh, play well, stay connected, play the, do what they do, and hit enough three. So that's the thing. No, on the road in the new. It'll be the second game in their brand new gym, by the way. So what can we expect from BYU basketball when they get against when they get up against this elite level competition? I don't know that they'll get like off as many threes. How will the numbers dip? Because they will dip. Yeah, it's listen. It's better competition. BYU's played some good games early. They have not played a game like playing Baylor quite yet. They're that, taking that care of the ball. Yet. Speaking of BYU, they're taking care of the ball. Oh yeah. They're sharing the ball at an elite level, and they're making, taking, and making a ton of threes. Those numbers will all dip, but. How much? How much? And are yeah. you playing good enough defense to make up for that? How could a women's hoops win or loss to Nevada, just kidding, oh, Nevada man. today, change your perception of how non-conference went? Well, 10 and three would be a solid mark to finish oh, up non-conference play. This team won what, 16 games last year? Yes. I know that it's only one game, but tell me, don't you feel something different emotionally if I say to you, oh, BYU was nine and four in non-conference compared to 10 and three? It's one game, but it just feels like you got the double digit wins in non-con. Yeah. That feels way better than nine and four, especially if you finish non-conference by on a two game losing streak. You can't do yeah, that. Yeah, you can't do it. Nevada's six and six. Yesterday, Missouri State was what? Came in, I think. Four and three or four, five and five and four. Yeah, it's like, oh, come on. It's a true road game. It's got to be better than that. Yeah, it's tough. Randomly, the men and women's basketball teams have played at Missouri State in the last like four years. Now, Ten and three feels a lot better than nine and four, especially if you don't lose two to end non-conference play. All right, more NFL. The Rams and Saints tonight, a premier Cougars in the NFL matchup of the season. But is it the best Cougars in the NFL matchup of the season? I can't recall any that were better. Um, th this one features obviously high profile skill position yes, players. Multiple. When it's like O line versus D line guy, it's not as exciting. Brady Christensen versus Kyrus Tonga. Like, I love those dudes, but it just doesn't have the sizzle of Puka Nakua and right. Taysom Hill and Jamal Williams and Daniel Sorensen. The only thing that would probably uh, rival it is when the 49ers played the Rams, and it was Fred Moore. That Warner. was pretty good and Puka Nakua yeah, going head-to-head. Head. And I Fred's put the, tackling Puka, right? I put the Niners out of my mind completely on purpose. Like, <laughs> was there, oh, well, we had Falcons Saints pretty good with Tyler, right? Tyler not having quite the year he had last year, still a good year. But Puka's year obviously is one of the greatest single seasons yes. in BYU football history. Yeah. For an individual. I'd probably, Puka, Puka and Fred, like 49ers Rams is, is a big deal. But this, because of the number of players, because it's Taysom and Jamal and Daniel against yeah. Puka on Thursday yeah. Night Football. Plus, he's coming off the interview with you. He's feeling good. Probably feels like that. Okay, what do you think? Over, under, one and a half touchdowns from these guys combined. Let's go over. Give me one Puka, one Taysom. Yeah, I think Taysom's going to have a rushing touchdown tonight, and I think Puka Nakua is going to And Jamal, give me three. Give me three. Let's three. go. Wow, I'll take two. Well, the over regardless. Yeah, they are. Give me seven. 
<laughs> you missed any of our National Signing Day coverage yesterday. You can always find it on BYUSN.com and the free BYU TV app. Get to know the new Cougs, baby. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. We are live in Studio B. Let's meet one of the newest members of the BYU football family, I'm part of the 2024 recruiting class. And as I mentioned, like those that have met him have said, oh, fantastic personality, awesome football player. He's going to be track star. One of those unforgettable BYU fan favorites for sure. Yes, and multi-talented. His name is Trey Alexander, and he is joining us live over Zoom. Trey, welcome What's to up, BYU Trey? Sports Nation. Congratulations on signing with the Cougars. What's up, y'all? I appreciate y'all for having me. I want to start with this. Because you had options, and it came down to what well, we heard Georgia Tech and BYU, and you opt to go across the country to Provo, Utah, instead of staying closer to home. What was it about BYU that made you think, I need to be there, and I'm willing to go across the country to do so? Uh, the main thing for me is once I got to campus and I really experienced the love and the genuine support from all of the fans, it was somewhere I knew like I had to go. Like, And then they started talking a lot about the connections outside of football, and for me, I know football one day is going to come to the end no matter if I play 15 years or five years. So setting myself up outside of football is definitely something you know, that I look forward to. So when I got up there to BYU, and that's one of the things they push, and then the people are so great, like I knew it was a no-brainer for me. It's hard out of, right out of high school to have that kind of perspective. So who in your life has kind of helped you in this journey to be like, listen, football is the main thing I'm doing right now, but it won't always be? My dad, uh, my dad, he definitely tells me and all my teammates every day, he says, football going to be done with you before you're done with it. Mm. He doesn't say that, you know, scare you away from your dream, but he always says that to always appreciate the snaps you get, but make sure you focus on stuff outside of football as well because if you don't and you just in football, you know, you ain't going to have no identity. And with us, with me and all my siblings, he always pushes us to, you know, grow in multiple ways. Trey Alexander is on BYU Sports Nation. Who was the first person to contact you from BYU, and how did the recruiting start? The first person to contact me was uh, Coach Papinga, and the way it started was a school that's in my uh, district. We played against them last year, and uh, he was at that school recruiting. He asked them uh, about any good cornerbacks in the area. So they said my name. He came to the school. Like, I had never like, had contact with them before this. He came to the school. He talked to me for a little bit, and then he gave me a phone call for like 20 minutes that night. And then two weeks later, Coach Gilford came to see me. Uh, I worked out. He saw me. He offered me. And then ever since then, it's been like the whole coach staff hasn't talked to me. So it's been it's been great. Did you know about BYU before you were contacted by those coaches? I knew about it, but like I didn't know like how big of a fan base it had, how great it was. Like I knew they would pull off some upsets every now and then. Uh, you know, I knew of Taysom Hill, Jamal Williams, Zach Wilson, but like. I didn't know a whole lot about the school. And now you do, because you're a one of us, which is, which is awesome. So you're telling me uh, Gennaro saw you work out one time and was like, yeah, let's offer this guy. Yeah, he saw me work out. He was like, yeah, let's offer me. And then it was crazy because my workout wasn't even like a major workout. It was just like a bunch of small drills, a bunch of quick stuff. You know, it was me and my dad out there. And he saw me work out. And he was like, yeah, you got something special. 
So he, he was just confirming me. what he felt like he already knew from you on film, probably, which is which is amazing. <laughs> so describe the kind of cornerback you are to people. Um, I'm that cornerback that definitely loves to cover people. Like I'm that shutdown cornerback in my eyes. Like uh, this past year, I gave a one catch, and uh, I don't what? plan on getting one catch. Deep. Yeah, I gave her one catch, and it was a five-yard play. It was a five-yard play. <laughs> wow. I don't, I don't like getting beat. Like, I'm that cornerback that if I lose the rep, don't be worried because I'm coming back, you know, with some more. Like, whenever I lose, I know it's my fault. Like, there is rare that somebody's going to beat me because of they're better than me. Most times I mess up, it's my mistake. So, I'm that cornerback that David loves to cover people. I will come up and hit you. Um, I play with a lot of energy, a lot of passion. Like, I play with my emotions on my sleeve when I'm in the game. That's, that's something that I'm big on, like letting it all out on the field. Trey Alexander gave up one catch. One whole catch. <laughs> wow. 6'2", 165 pounds. Which player in the NFL do you try and emulate at your position? The one that I say I probably try to emulate, if anybody, is like Jalen Ramsey. And it's not mm. more so like play style. It's just the mindset he has when he plays. Like he always feels like he's the best. He don't like to give up catches to nobody. He played with a swagger for, like, the last seven years since he's been in the NFL. You know, that's hard to replicate. And then a younger one would probably be Sauce Gardner. Uh, you know, I get that uh, comparison a lot, and Sauce is definitely a great player. For him to go out and dominate like he has been these past two years is definitely special to see. That's amazing, man. And you're six two and a half, so you're a taller guy like Sauce. Um, do you have a nickname? Because Sauce is a pretty good nickname. Nah. I guess I find one when the fans give me one, but I don't have a nickname. <laughs> Let's talk about your track prowess. Uh, four by what? Uh, you're the state champ. You're in the four by four hundred, number one rated uh, relay in the country. What role does track play in your athleticism? Man, track plays a major role. Uh, for me, before track, I wasn't getting like recruited a whole lot because you know I was slower on the field my sophomore year. So once I started to run track and I picked up some speed and really learned how to run well and be more explosive, track really, like, changed my whole life. Like, uh, I started running track my sophomore year for real in high school. I had a good time. We ran one state that first year. Then this past year, once my time started to go down to, like, the 48s and 47s, that's when I got the Mississippi State offer. And then from there, I won state. I got, I want to say, 10 offers in two weeks Whoa. for football. And ever since then, it's like it just track changed my whole life. I'm not gonna lie, it's been and I got seven track scholarships as well, so mm. it's been great. Hey Trey, come run track at BYU too. Jamal Williams did one spring here. Yeah, it happened. Sure. You, yeah. you can do both there. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna do it. I'm, I'm probably do that my sophomore year. I don't know if I'm gonna do it because I want to get acclimated first, but I'm, it's definitely been a conversation with the coaches. I love that. All right, let's finish with this, Trey. Uh, what? is your future like immediately when do you plan on getting to byu and, and fully implementing into the program at byu as you finish up your high school career uh so i'll be on campus january 6th i'll be back on campus so i'll be there for the first day of class in the next semester i'll be there for the first workout i, I will be participating in spring ball i play in the spring game so i'll be doing all that stuff start january 6th Hey, let's get you in here, man. And I love your uh, your Twitter, uh, you know, background. It says the Lord will be your confidence, Proverbs three twenty six. That's a great, great scripture. We love scriptures here too, man. It's gonna be <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I got a whole bunch of them on my phone. It's like a whole bunch of notes and it's just straight scriptures. So love anytime it. I need them, I just go look at them and search them up. Great stuff, fantastic, Trey. It's great to meet you, man. Can't wait to have you on campus. We'll get you here into Studio B as well when you're back in Provo. But don't hit me. You said you're gonna hit people. Don't hit me, okay? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Trey. Good luck to you, man. We'll see you soon. Thanks, Trey. Man, thank y'all for having me. 
Trey Alexander on BYU Sports. One catch allowed senior year? What? Uh, it was a five-yard pass. And it was a five-yard like out. <laughs> Come on now. That's amazing. Yeah, great personality. Love it. Good luck to uh, Trey. Yeah, we'll see him here in a couple weeks on camp. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Follow BYU Sports Nation on social media for content throughout the day on Facebook, X, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Welcome back to Studio B. I'm Jerem. He is Bellerman's Jason Shepard. <laughs> take no. the E off so we know it's Bellerman. <laughs> Southern pronunciation. I don't ask questions. They're Louisville. Okay, then. Let's get to today's headlines. Number 18, now number 17. More on that in a minute. A BYU men's basketball beats Georgia State 86-54 to improve to 10-1 on the season. Richie Saunders led BYU with a career-high 20 points off the bench. Dawson Baker saw his first action of the year and scored six points on three of five shooting. Jackson Robinson unfortunately left the game in the first half with an ankle sprain. After the win, BYU is now number four in the net rankings, number five in Kimpom, and as I just mentioned, up one spot in the latest AP poll to number 17. Coming up next for BYU is Bellerman at home Friday night. Yeah, but number one in your heart if you're watching this program. Women's basketball came back from down 13 in the fourth quarter to beat Idaho State 79-76 in overtime thanks to a 21-2 fourth quarter start led by Lauren Gustin's 18 points, 21 rebounds. Kaylee Smiler's career-high 17 in an emotional win where she had eight staples put in her head and returned to the game after a first-half injury and helped BYU to the win, sealing free throws late. More on that later. BYU at Missouri State Wednesday on BYU Radio with Shep. Thank you very much. Cougars in the NFL, Zach Wilson, 27 yards on four of 11 passing, was sacked four times. It felt like more than that, to be honest with you, uh, before leaving with a concussion in the second quarter in a Jets 30 to nothing loss to the Miami Dolphins. Fred Warner had nine tackles and half of a sack for the 49ers in a 45-29 victory over the Cardinals. And Pukunakua, who we just heard from moments ago, his interview with Spencer Linton, had five catches for 50 yards in a Rams victory over the Commanders 28-20. Tyler Ogier had 14 carries for 45 yards and a six-yard catch for the Falcons in a 9-7 loss to the Panthers. Jamal Williams had eight carries for 24 yards. Taysom Hill had a five yards of offense for the Saints in a 24-6 win over the Giants. Kyle Vanoy had two tackles for the Ravens in a 23-7 win over the Jaguars. And Sione Takitaki had five tackles in the TFL for the Browns in a 2017 win over the Bears. When we were watching the uh, the defensive intros on Sunday night, my son was there, and when, when Kyle Vanoy was like, Brigham University. Brigham. <laughs> Bo looks at me, he's like, did he just call it Brigham University? I'm like, yeah, that's, that's his thing. He like skipped one word there. That's right. All right, Jimmer Fredette was named the 2023 USA Basketball 3x3 Male Athlete of the Year. Jimmer helped Team USA qualify for the 2024 Paris Olympics, won a silver medal in the 2023 FIBA 3x3 Men's World Cup, and is eighth among all 3x3 players in the world in scoring. Name another 3x3 player for the USA. Top Drawer Soccer named its best 11 teams of the year. BYU's Brecken Mozingo on the first team, Olivia Wade Cateau on the second team, and freshman Lynette Hernez named to the freshman team. TDS also named its top 100 players. Four Cougars made the list. How about this? 
Brecken Mozingo, the number two player in the country. Olivia Wade Katoa, number 21. Izzy Strat, number 41. And Leveni Vaca, number 49. Four in the top 50. Hey, love a, it. There's a reason why they were as good as they were this year. Yeah, if they don't make the turn in, they're like zero. No, BYU really good. Probably could have had a, you know another play in there. We'll see. Those are today's headlines. Let's whip it. Google Web Brown is presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. All right, we talked about it earlier. BYU, according to uh, Joey Brackett, Joe Lenardi, a three seed in his latest bracketology update. How long do you think BYU holds on as a three seed right now? I think the next three games. Uh, if you can get through Cincinnati and win, I don't think you'd go up to a two, but if you beat Baylor, you might go up a line to even two at this point, because that win would validate you quite a bit. I know Baylor lost big to Michigan State, but that's still a, a tremendous team. Uh, didn't see where they landed in the uh, AP poll, but they were six before. I'd imagine they'd be like 10 or 11. That'd be a tremendous win. So at least the next three games, if you go and win at Baylor, now you've validated quite a bit because that would be your best win of the season. Yeah, you and I are on the same page. I think they have it going into Cincinnati. I, I, at this point right now, I'm, I'm expecting a win over Cincinnati in that home game. Yeah, um, but yeah, yeah. So yeah. I, yeah, I think it's going into Baylor. I, and that's, that's where you see, that's when you have your real first test. Baylor's 10, by the way, in the people. BYU up to 17 up a spot. Too low, too high, or just right? No, it's about well, How do you like your porridge in the eight people? Seventeen <laughs> uh, is my lucky number, so I'm liking it. Oh, um, my favorite prime number. Okay, all yeah. right. I figured I, you were going to say something else with seventeen. Seventeen plus. Okay, um, you've just ruined it. You've just jinxed the entire season. Seven. <laughs> Great, you've endangered the entire news organization. <laughs> um, I could have seen BYU at sixteen or 15. you know, you beat Georgia State by thirty-two. It's not going to make too many waves. Uh, I, this is where I thought they would be. I thought it, it maybe best, maybe up to sixteen, but I expected probably move up a spot. I ain't going to be too picky at ten and one, you guys. This is awesome. Everything's yeah. going yeah. great. Everything is awesome. Yes. Everything is cool when you're part of a team, and uh, this team is playing great. All right, Texas women's volleyball won their second consecutive national championship yesterday. Yeah. I don't know if you've heard, but Texas is leaving the Big 12 to join the SEC. Thank goodness. It they got BYU the other, in the Big 12. It just, just happened the other That's day. They're part of the So reason. with them leaving the conference, does BYU become the premier volleyball team in the Big 12? Program, yes. The team going into next year has some questions they need to answer. Setter. Uh, Second, uh, number one middle blocker. Second outside hitter still needs more production. Continued development at opposite. Your libero and your primary defensive specialist graduated. So there are some massive question marks. BYU brings in top 10 recruiting classes every year, so I'm excited about that. They'll just be a little younger in this department. So BYU could win the Big 12 next year. They'd be a little young, uh, but I could see it. It could happen. Yeah, the overall program going in, I think, goes in as the premier program mm -hmm. in the Big 12. And that's exciting. It's exciting to yeah. see, look, with what volleyball, women's volleyball has done, with what women's soccer done immediately in year one, yep. that, that's exciting stuff. Those are, they won't, they will be reloading seasons for both of those teams. Correct. They hope to match. Like women's soccer, that was an all-time mm -hmm. group of players that played the last couple years. But they've had some really good talent kind of waiting for their chance. So well, get a and what Coach Rockwood does a great job of is she lets these freshmen and sophomores play. If you're and good enough, you if, play. If you're good enough, you're going to play. Yeah. So some of these young players that will now be put in more prominent roles, this is not new to them. And I think that's one of the reasons why Coach Rockwood's program has been so good year in and year out is because there is just constant rotation yes. of, of talent, and not frankly, just players. And frankly, I don't want to play a ton of freshmen. Like, I want upperclassmen, you know, juniors and seniors being the ones that really lead out. If you're good enough, you play. But if you're playing a bunch of freshmen, you're not going to be that good right. in any sport. What did you learn about BYU women's basketball on Saturday's comeback win over Idaho State? You never count them out. 
Look, I know they didn't want to be down by 13 points to Idaho State. That was a game that, you know, you kind of thought you're going to go in and just kind of cruise. That, that was not the case, but what they showed was that regardless of the situation, they started out that fourth quarter on a 16-0 run and took the lead. They led by as many as six. They then lost that lead. You got to give Idaho State credit. They came back and tied it up, sent it to overtime. But in overtime, clutch free throws, you know, clutch plays from BYU's playmakers, it, that, it showed me that they are never out of any situation. They've got talent on this roster. It is a fun team to watch. Sometimes your adversity is self-inflicted. Like, and, and sometimes you give credit if you're a Discover card or whatever, Tidal State. <laughs> but yeah, you have to overcome some adversity, whether that's stuff you didn't do or the other team made you do, whatever. But uh, it's good for BYU to have some of that because they're going to get into Big 12 play and go on the road and play much tougher situations than what they had Saturday. Incredible stuff from Kaylee Smiler, which we will talk about yeah. a bit later. Yeah. Amazing. Unbelievable story. All right, with Zach Wilson leaving yesterday's game with a concussion, was that the uh, the last game in a Jets uniform for Mr. Wilson? I sure hope so. Get him out of there already. Trade him. Get him a chance somewhere else. I am tired of the Jets. I was tired the moment he was drafted uh, <laughs> with the Jets. So, I, bummer for him. You don't want to see an injury, and, and a head injury is always scary a little bit. So hopefully, Zach's okay. But, uh, yeah, get him out of there, man. Yeah, I, I for his own sake, his own sanity, for his own health, I, I hope it is. And quite frankly, I, I haven't seen anything since last night. But now that the Jets are obviously eliminated from postseason play, why would Aaron Rodgers come back? Other I, than to say he why, can. No, I, but like, why I, that was one of the biggest weird slash hokey stories of all year. Like, why, why in the world did you come back and risk an injury for a team that has no chance at a playoff right now? Uh, Get healthy, come back next year, and do, do your thing. Yeah, I officially don't care about the Jets starting today, by the way. Because <laughs> if Zach's not going to play, I don't I don't. Unless somebody else or... gets drafted really, really high by the Jets. It's true. If Kingsley <laughs> Suamati is like a second-round pick to the Jets, I start caring about Kingsley. So, right, exactly. Uh, yeah, but I can care about Fred, but not the Niners. I can tell you that. The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Welcome to BYU Sports Nation presented by the BYU Store official outfitter of BYU fans. Where? Everywhere. It is Monday, December 18th. I am Jerem Jordan. He is new Big 12 Conference Ward Clerk, Jason Shepard. <laughs> Look, we found out that BYU has led the 2024 new... Let me rephrase that. The rest of the world found out that BYU leads the new 2024 Big 12 in average attendance this past season. Thank you, uh, Iowa State AD yes, Jamie Pollard. Yes, as the, as the official Conference Ward Clerk, I've known this for a while. As I yeah, go up yeah. and down... The stands that would be funny. And You're count a each and every busy person. Yeah. On the radio broadcast, but that'd be funny if you just by hand. I'm like walking around with one of those little, those little like notepads and just check like one, doing you know like the mouth counting, like one, two, three, four, five, six. Look, there's a technique to here's, that. Here's let me tell you, when it comes to attendance numbers, you you're not beating us. No, we've been P5 on that level forever. You know oh, what I'm yeah. saying? Oh yeah. So we're gonna. Banner, T-shirt, hang Let's a go. banner is what I like. Say. Anything positive like this, I'm gonna just jump on. Yeah, like nobody's business. Yeah. Listen, when you go five and seven, you look for the positive somewhere. And uh, attendance, baby, <laughs> let's go. Uh, by the way, signing day this Wednesday. Tune into BYU Sports Nation for the latest and greatest on who BYU signing out of high school transfers. The whole deal. We got you covered on that. All rise and shout. It's time for what's trending. And there's a career best twenty. 
Go to Atiki, another hammer. Good by Richie Saunders. He takes it coast to coast. To Dallin Hall for three, and that's good. For BYU goes to 10 and one. Get excited. What's Trending is presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. Cougars now 10 and one after a 86-54 win against Georgia State. Shep, what were your biggest takeaways from BYU's 32-point win over the Panthers? Yeah, I mean, I expected a blowout. That's exactly what we got. And, you know, like that's that's basically what we've come to expect in non-conference at home, certainly. And quite frankly, it's happened in the neutral side games. We, we know the only loss is the only game where it hasn't been like that. Um, so nothing really happened in terms of in from that score or the way the game played out in terms of what I thought. That's exactly what I expected. But, man, there was a lot that happened in this game. And, mm-hmm. and, and unfortunately, like one of the biggest things that happened was not necessarily a good thing. We hope it's nothing serious. But when Jackson Robinson went down and was hobbling around and had to leave – that was a pretty scary moment, knowing exactly what he has meant to the team. I guess certainly the good news is, and, and Spencer was talking about it on the broadcast, he never actually went into the locker room, kind of just went into the tunnel and was trying to walk things around. Yeah. He always stayed in the huddle, which was certainly a good sign. So you, you hope that it's nothing serious. Um, but honestly, that was one of my biggest takeaways was how, how hurt is that ankle for Jackson Robinson? That, that was really the first thing that I thought of. Rob Ramos, the athletic trainer, longtime athletic trainer with the BYU men's basketball, he did not look overly concerned yeah. in those images we just showed you yeah. in the video. Um, so, yeah, hopefully um, it's just a you know, just slight turn, a little bit of a sprain maybe, because a sprain is a partial tear of ligaments, right? Hopefully he's okay. And listen, if you have to miss a game or two, now's the time. Uh, Bellerman coming in out of the A-Sun. Wyoming coming in out of the Mountain West. Those are two games that at home you feel like, okay, if you don't have Jackson Robinson, you're going to be just fine. Uh, But when you play Cincinnati on January 6th and you go to Baylor on Tuesday, January 9th, you want to be full bore in your leading scorer and your number one NBA prospect right now is Jackson Robinson. Uh, So you certainly hope that he is okay. Didn't look like, like, I'm no doctor, right, but I play on TV. But, um, yeah, I do have a Ph.D. in BYU Sportsology. But if, if BYU is Jackson Robinson, uh, that his ankle looks like – that didn't look like a crazy high ankle sprain that would be four to six weeks, and you need the tightrope surgery and the whole day. Didn't look like that kind yeah. of ankle turn, um, in my unprofessional opinion. <laughs> but uh, hopefully he's all right. But it was, it was exciting because we, we saw some stuff like – BYU did what it, what it does. It made threes, 15 made threes. That ties the most this season. BYU's done that thrice. 38 threes is again in the top seven in BYU history. They continue to shoot the three really well. Uh, rebounded well, that's what they do. Um, you know, bench points, incredible. Another 35 spot, which is under their average of 40 and a half. I think that's BYU's superpower when it comes to the Big 12 is they have one of the benches, best benches in the country. They can match up with some of these good teams' second unit. Um, good to see Trevin Nell make a couple shots, by the way. Missed his first three. That was an 0 of 10 streak for him, which is crazy. And then he makes three of his next four. Trevor Nail is tremendous. Of course, Richie Sons. Yes. Of course, uh, Ali Khalifa making a three. It, it was good. There's a lot to break down within this. So we talked about Jackson Robinson's injury. Let's talk about Dawson Baker, yeah. who came in for the first time in a BYU uniform. What do you make of his debut? I had no expectations for Dawson Baker. The only thing I wanted to see is to see him healthy enough that he could see some playing time. So I was I was fine just seeing him play. Anything that he did was was gravy to me. 
And then the fact that he came in and looked really good. And we know what type of player he was. We knew the type of player that BYU was getting with him coming in when he transferred in. And then to see him in limited minutes be able to come out and he scored six points and he looked like he was, was in command of what he wanted to do and there was nothing that was bothering him from an injury standpoint. That, to me, was the best news of all. Anything that he gave BYU, to me, was, was not important. But the fact that he did, I, I think it just made the situation even better. Being able to add a player of his caliber, basically halfway through the season or, or a quarter a of the yeah third of the way through, mm-hmm. that's pretty that's pretty big for a team that is playing as well as BYU is right now. And it's wild because remember, there's no foos. You almost right. forget. Yeah. And then. The, the the highest ranked recruit on the roster hasn't even played yet in Marcus Adams Jr. Like th- this kid is super talented. Excited to see him play. Perhaps we'll see him Friday. No indication quite yet, but I would guess we're going to see him Friday. We thought we might see him against Georgia State. We did not. Yeah, Baker uh, Dawson had limited minutes, like you said, nine minutes played. Mark Pope said, yeah, probably a few more minutes than I was anticipating. Dawson told Spencer after the game, hey, my foot's a little sore. Mm-hmm. But we saw what he could do. We just yeah. got a taste. Like, you walk by that uh, Costco aisle, they got the little samples of something. Mm-hmm. You're like, I wasn't going to buy that, but I might now. And I think we're all buying like, hey, I want to see a little more Dawson Baker. And we'll get into this in the next couple of days. But the rotation can only be so big. So it'll be interesting to what see what BYU does with this. But, uh, yeah, his, he had one play where you could see his handle, a little hezzy, mm-hmm. got into the lane, Atiki on the assist with a little land there. It's like, okay, a little mid-range from Dawson. Uh, he gets to the line a lot. He was top 300 in the country last year in that, 15 a game at UC Irvine. So I'm excited. Uh, and BYU, again, is not the full BYU quite yet. And we may not see the full BYU until March, frankly, because it's going to take a sec for Foose to get back in. We've got Dawson Baker. Uh, getting back into it uh, with the foot injury. And then, of course, Marcus Adams Jr. I'm going to give him like four to six weeks to really get into it. So look at the rotation right now. You've got the starting five, and then you've got kind of the next four and five, and then you got uh, Dawson Baker and Marcus Adams getting into the mix. So you got 12 guys that you're, you want to find minutes for, um, and we'll see how it's this— It's a good problem to have. It's a great problem. My, the, the only con with this is it's going really well. You're going to have to mess with it going a li- really well a little bit. The hope is that it's all value added. Whoever comes in adds. They don't take away from something. But there is a risk that, eh, so-and-so is affected negatively by a few fewer minutes, fewer shots. Can everyone's ego kind of handle this? I get the sense that this team can, but you will have to go through that in the coming weeks. But there's already been a precedent set with change in the middle of the season, and BYU essentially not skipping a beat. When you lost Foose and then you inserted Ali Khalifa, BYU continued to win. So there is a precedent set that they've been able to find things. Now, sure, one guy to, different than three. Yes. Yeah. So, but I, I look, like I said, I think it's a great problem to have. One thing I want to touch on, and you were talking about the bench and how good BYU's bench has We've been. We buried this, the lead here. Yeah. Richie Saunders. Richie Saunders. Richie was the Saunders story of the is game. not getting talked about enough. Then, then with, let's do it. With what he's doing, coming off a career high, yeah. twenty points, and and how many times have we said that this year? There are a lot of guys mm-hmm. 
that have had Spencer Johnson, career highs this year. Jackson Robinson, two or three games this year. Yeah. What Richie does, Rich, first of all, he's a he's an instant energy guy. Mm-hmm. He's he's one of those guys that the opposition, when they see him get on the floor, like, oh no. Who's this dude with him? This this no. Like, <laughs> we got to deal with this guy because he's he's he'll never quit. Yep. He's a hundred miles per hour all the time. Yep. And. He's skilled on top of it. He can score yes. in many different ways. He can he can hit from the mid-range. He can shoot the three. He certainly can drive and put pressure on a defense inside. He finishes well. Yeah. Him with He's, he, we're not talking enough about Richie Saunders. He does a great job, man. And uh, he got 20 points, new career high. He got that late in the game. They were really pushed for it. He had a couple of open looks. But uh, he's, he's one of a bunch of guys that now have a career high of 20 or more, which brings us to our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. BYU is one of three teams in D1 to have nine or more players with career highs of 20-plus points. That's courtesy of Tyson Jacks, BYU's men's basketball director of communications. The idea of any one of you could go off, and a lot of teams say that. They don't actually do it. This team, it happens. Somebody going for 20 on a given night. And, uh, you know, if you had said at the beginning of the year, yeah, hey, uh, this guy, this guy, this guy are all going to go 20-plus. I'd go, wow. That, again, BYU's superpower right now, to me, uh, like shooting a lot of threes is not a superpower. That's just the thing you do. you got to make them. Yep. BYU's making them. Um, number one in makes and takes in the country. That's my favorite stat with all the stats around BYU. Better than net, number four right now. Better than Ken Palm, number five. It's that you take and make a bunch of threes because that's the point of the church gym. <laughs> that is the point of the gym and the churches. If BYU's not going to be number one in that category, what's the point of the, the gym and the churches? It ain't the Christmas dinner, especially when there's only like one side of the table with the food. You got to go double sided, by the way. Go yeah, du- yeah, you go double sided. Be efficient. Yeah. Uh, Richie Saunders, awesome. And that is good news because guess what? BYU's playing only three games in the next 23 days. What are the pros and cons of that right now? Well, the pro, the biggest pro right now is what we talked about to kind of lead off the segment, talking about Jackson Robinson. It gives Jackson Robinson time, depending on the severity of the ankle injury, to to hopefully get back to as as close to 100% as he was before. But overall... You know, it gives Dawson Baker a chance for more practice time. It gives, and maybe the person that can benefit the most from more practice time is Marcus Adams Jr. Amen. He's he's practiced a couple of times. Yes. So so that is a that is a plus. On the other injury front, three games in 23 days. It it hopefully gives you a little bit more time for Foos to be closer to being ready, and we, and we don't really know where that stands. I know we're all hoping that he's going to be ready for, you know, we would love for the Cincinnati game, maybe for Baylor, but shortly after conference play, I think everybody hopes he's back, and you can start to see what this team is, at, at what we thought it was going to be from day one. So that's that's the benefit. The The negative is if you're if you're one of those guys that it's all about momentum and you want to keep playing and when things are going well, you don't want to, yeah. you don't want to put the brakes on. So that's probably the, the biggest con to the whole thing is that you're playing well right now. You, you probably want to just keep playing. Yeah, amen. Uh, if BYU could start conference play right now, I think it would be better than having to wait uh, like they're g- going to. But it's the holidays. Everyone gears down just a touch there. By the way, the AP poll is out. BYU up a spot to number 17. I thought they might be. 15 or 16, but uh, we'll take 17, which is uh, awesome. Okay, the only real outlier here is that Andy Katz has BYU at number three, 33 in the, his top 36. Why does he hate BYU? 
I'm kidding. I'm kidding. He doesn't hear. BYU's four in net, five in Ken Palm, 12 in uh, ESPN's Basketball Power Index, or BPI. KPI is a metric used by the committee, 14. Strength of record is 28. AP polls, 17. And then there's Andy Katz, 33. Uh, Andy's what? not impressed. Why? Why does he have a BYU at 33? Now, perhaps, uh, I, now the argument against BYU is the following. Okay, yes, I saw the San Diego State win. Nice. But you don't have another top 50 win there, right? NC State, uh, just outside of that as of Saturday night. I need to look this morning. But uh, Arizona State is kind of top 100. Evansville, you didn't win your one true road game. So maybe he's a, just a little wait and see compared to a lot he of is the, the outlier. metrics. Yes. And again, that's an opinion poll. The, the two that are opinions are Andy Katz in his top 36, and then the AP poll is 17. But... I, I don't I don't uh, I'm not too riled up about this because once BYU gets into Big 12 play, we'll really really know what we're looking at with BYU. I, I've said I need to see him play nine games in Big 12 before I have a full assessment of what this team is. Right now, I'm very excited about it, uh, and BYU's done well against the competition it has faced, and it's crazy efficient, and they're blowing out fools. They're nine and two against the spread, by the way. Like they are covering and they're playing great and efficient, so it's exciting. There's nothing to not be excited about right now. Hopefully Jackson Robinson's ankle is okay. Yeah, I, I'm not overly. Yeah, I'm not like you know hurt or. <laughs> yeah, there's no outrage that he has BYU at number 33 because oh, you no, said we're not ranked high enough. Yeah, yeah. not ranked at all. <laughs> hey, yeah, yeah, but like you said, his is an opinion. The other things yeah. are more analytical metrics, yes. taking in formulas and whatnot. Yeah. So it's all done in a lab, I believe. There's a lab. There's there's one lab. Hook them up with Bunsen <laughs> burners and beakers and everything. But look, where BYU is now, it's a good place to be. Yeah. BYU is going to go into conference play with one loss, and wild. It's it's pretty crazy to think, and and they've they've earned that. They they are not just winning games; they're they're beating teams yeah. badly, and they're they're putting teams away early. And you're going to get people's attention regardless of your opponent if you're doing that consistently. You may do that once or twice, and then you can say, okay, well, that was just once or twice. Yeah. When you're doing it literally every game. Then, then that that means something. That that holds more weight yeah. than just the occasional blowout. So, to to me, uh, I think where BYU is at right now is exactly where they would want to be. Absolutely, it, you know, and, and another win would have been good. But yes. Guess well, what? Yes. How picky you want to get? I've moved you know, on. I've moved on. BYU's, I haven't. BYU's I played haven't. in. BYU's played in three close games essentially: San Diego State, NC State, and uh, Utah, of course. So, we'll see what. Obviously, going to Baylor is going to be an abrupt like oh. This is and they just got worked game. by Michigan State. Yes, they weekend. did. They were down like twenty-eight worked. at halftime. Worked. What in the world? Are, uh, it's a mailbag Monday. You can send in questions about anything about BYU. If they're about sports, we're more likely to uh, answer them. Yeah. But uh, at Lauren J Smith on X, uh, continue to weigh in. He says, when Baker, Adams, Foose, and Robinson all become available, how does that impact rotation? Who gets less playing time? Does it change the game that BYU currently plays? Great question. What do you think? I don't think it changes the way that they play. I still think they are going to try and take and make as many threes. That's just the way that the offense is set. It does with Foose. It does with – They when, will yes. dump it into Foose. When Foose is back, that will give you certainly a, a, an inside presence that you don't currently have from an offensive standpoint in a, in a post player. Now you're, They'll you're, still run five-out yes. cut, yeah. which is what they're running a lot with Ali Khalifa because he's unbelievable yeah. at that right now. Like you'll still be able to get points in the paint yeah. from driving, yes. things like that. But, but in terms of being able to lob a pass down, have a post player go to work, 
that's probably the biggest change, and, it, and it's not even really a change because that's kind of how the, the offense started out anyway. You penetrate the ball in a var- various yes. ways, via the pass or uh, off the dribble, right? When, um, you know, BYU, everyone gets healthy. I think Trey Stewart probably plays a little less and Atiki plays a little less. Those are my guess at who sort of has to come in for fewer minutes. So we'll see what that looks like. But again, you got to be effective when you come in. Like, there's no room in this offense for ineffective and inefficient. There's enough people who are being effective and efficient. Literally everyone is playing well. There's not a player where I'm like, get that guy out of here. They are all playing well, and uh, it's exciting. Dylan Olsen on X. The Dylan Olsen who used to work here as a student? Probably Uh, is. Men's Hoops is ranked in the top 25. All the hype about being a projected three seed in the tourney, according to Lenardi. Still have Big 12 play in conference tourney. So is that three seed more fact or fiction to you? It is fact uh, as of this moment. Mm-hmm. If you're telling me, do I think BYU is going to be a three seed on Selection Sunday, I would say no. But because BYU is going to play in the Big 12. If BYU goes 11 and, or what is it in league play, uh, you know, out of 18, 11 and 7, like they, they got a shot at that, but they'd probably be a 5 or a 6, I would guess, at that point. To be a three seed? <laughs> to be a three seed! You probably need to go 13 and 5 in the Big 12. Yeah. And that and that would be amazing. Listen, I'm hoping BYU goes 8 and 12 in league. I w- I feel confident that that can happen. Somewhere in the 7 and 11, 11 and 7 range is where I have BYU at the moment. Yeah, I mean at this point all you can do is play the teams on your schedule, yeah. let the numbers speak for themselves, try and get as high as you possibly can, and then through the course of the conference season, if you lose some games, again, most of If BYU is going to lose games, very few of them are going to be considered bad losses. I don't know that there will be. Again, and that very well may be true. Like home to West Virginia or UCF right now or Oklahoma State might qualify as quad three. I'd have to look at it. But it's not going to be. They're going to be quad one and two. Quad three loss is a a bad loss. Get as high as you possibly can, and with the inevitable slip, when other teams maybe jump you because of maybe more impressive victories. You're you're well, you're still going to be in the in the conversation. BYU is going to have more good wins this year than they've ever had in the history of BYU this year because they have more opportunities. Yeah. There's no at Pacific sitting there where you go, ah, why <laughs> it doesn't exist. If BYU loses at West Virginia, we're like, shoot, lost that lost that quad one opportunity, that quad yeah. two opportunity. You make it up. Like yeah. there's plenty of opportunity. Every game is St. Mary's or Gonzaga in the Big Twelve. Almost, almost. It's a new world, my friend. Yes, it is. It is a new world. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear are what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Touchdown! Pick off by BYU! L.J. Martin! First down and more! The 10-5! The, the touchdown! Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation live on BYU TV. We are in Studio B with your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. I'm Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. Great to have all of you listening as well on BYU Radio. Uh, let's get to our post-game show from National Signing Day, shall we? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. <laughs> All of the reaction from head coach Kalani Satake and his coordinators Aaron Roderick and Jay Hill. We will start with Coach Satake, who spoke on the potential of this class and the potential to be contributors, emphasis on the plural, immediately. 
I mean, there's a lot of potential here, and then also a lot of potential to play right away. So um, that that's the. I think we have to develop guys, but it's a, it's a lot easier to develop guys that have uh, that that are already cr developed quite quite uh, a bit in, in high school and and even in JC. So the mixture of, of talent here, I, I think uh, we'll still have a few surprises in the next little bit. Anytime from today till signing day in in February, but um, I think those are going to be the spots that that uh, we need and um, that will, will enhance the, and upgrade everything else. All right, you were just touching on this a moment ago, saying like, okay, there were three BYU football players that played, what, 100 snaps? 100 plus and, snaps, uh, yeah. Freshmen, three At, freshmen that On that side snaps. of the ball, not special teams. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You said you, you think it might be more. Does Who that knows? make you think it's going to be more? Well, I got to see fall camp. I got to see the position battles. Is there, like, at linebacker, I can't assume that a freshman is going to come in and start because there's the, the ace and Mike Kafusi, Isaiah Glasker, Harrison Taggart, Jack Kelly. Like, that group is going to be your core kind of five or six, right? Sure. Um, this year it was nice to see Ciala Sarah got in a little bit. Unfortunately, got hurt at the end of the year, but he did well when he was in there. Um, didn't play 100. Uh, he, was he one of the ones that played 100? No, he was under. But um, He played quite a bit, though. He, but he yeah, played enough to, to be interesting. Um, so we'll see what that looks like uh, this year. Okay, offensive coordinator Aaron Roderick also talked about the importance of not just recruiting high school guys, but in the transfer portal area, you have to retain your own players. Yes. The most important recruiting uh, thing that we did was retain our players. And so as soon as the season ended, you know, in this day and age with the portal, you have to really work at retaining our players. And I think we've done a good job of that. Where, uh, everybody pretty much is coming back. We had uh, one guy, uh, Aiden, decide to turn pro, but I've got most of our key players are returning, and we're really excited about all those guys and, and appreciative of the fact that they like being a part of this program. And uh, I think it was a good sign about how our, our team culture is really strong. After the offensive season that BYU had, there could have been a gajillion guys go leave. For sure. Portal. Like, yeah. that would have made sense. In yes. fact, I'm almost worried out that it hasn't happened because they've done a nice job of retaining guys. Like, LJ Martin, I would imagine, is getting courted for some serious dough given what he showed at times. He's the main guy here next year, and that's really exciting. Um, so nice job by the staff to retain a lot of that quality. Connor yes. Pay was a huge one, as you yeah. mentioned. Yes. Like, uh, I'm excited uh, to retain. Familiarity does not breed depth or quality, but it sure helps in branding. For in sure. Projecting in, like, it doesn't mean you're just automatically awesome, but there are a few guys that are going to be awesome. Connor Pay and LJ Martin are going to be awesome. I love that Jay Hill added the following statement. Our best players are already here. And that goes into what Aaron Roderick just spoke of. BYU retained what the coaches feel like were their best players outside. He mentioned Aiden Robbins left, but he said, Listen, the core of our best players, they're already here. We're adding a and lot they're of open to adding development. other guys who could be the best but players. Our best right? players are already here. Yeah. And I believe that. Like, I was just talking to uh, a number of people last night about, man, offense only had seven guys signed. What's going on there? And it's like, well, think about We've it. We've started think, the window think, here. Think about it. Okay? It's not closed. Think about the wide receiver group. That alone. Like, the, what, BYU going to go out and add five wide receivers? No. They have Keelan Marion and Darius Lasseter. If, assuming he, if gets he gets his gets waiver. Another year. We hope that Darius gets his, another year because, B, oh, my gosh, that would be such a boost. Chase Roberts, <gasps> Parker Kingston. Keanu Hill making a switch from wide receiver to tight end to help out that room because there is so much wide receiver talent, right? We'll talk about the dynamics of that yeah. in a little bit. 
the running backs room, we were a little worried about once Robbins left I, because Miles Davis was in the transport portal. He's back. Hinkley or Potty's coming I wouldn't back. mind a running back sure, from the portal. You can add one, but you don't need yeah. a ton there now. No, you don't no, need a ton. No. They, they have a pretty solid core. The offensive line I was very worried about right after the season because we were on it, like, under the impression that Connor Perry's going to leave, Braden Kimes going to leave, who knows if ETN's going to stick around. Maybe it's only Waylon Lapuahu that is the only, like, notable returning starter up there. But now there are four guys. Again, familiarity. Experience. Like, you can bring in other dudes that have done stuff, too. Like, I imagine they'll add some alignment, by the way, from the portal. For sure. One or two. Yeah. yeah it, 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 they need it. And, and you have some young guys you, you like. You have TJ Woods. Like, does he bring somebody with him because he's the new offensive line coach in the run game That typically happens. You know? At it, least one player follows pretty a common coach place. from that position. Yeah. yeah. But the point is, like, I, the core, the core discussion, I've been saying it <laughs> Uh, comparing football to BYU basketball, like this element of, okay, they struggled here, but there's there there can be strength in bringing guys that have like gone through adversity together back and are been have been young and like haven't had a ton, a ton of time together. Now in year two, now that they have been around the program and all those new pieces last year through the portal, a bunch of those guys sticking around and the culture is there. Now you can build. Like you need you need your core. I want three core guys and one newcomer, you know, three to one ratio there. That's that's kind of what I'm looking for. And I think that BYU's in a position to do that. Yeah. All right. Some of those players, as we mentioned, that are coming back on offense, Keanu Hill, Braden Kime, Aaron Roderick discussed a different role specifically, as I just mentioned, for Keanu Hill next season as he moves to tight end. So what's that all about? Just uh, playmaking ability at that position. Uh, Keanu's been a, he's been a great playmaker for us in his career. This year, he struggled a little bit with a, uh, uh, an injury to his shin. He had, he had dealing with sort of a stress fracture type injury in his shin all season. Slowed him down. The guy's so tough, he kept trying to play every week. And he never really fully got going the way he has in the past. But um, he fights to keep his weight down. I mean, he's, he's uh, 6'4", 225 to 230 pounds on any given day, and he has to fight to keep his weight down. And we just felt like with our depth at wide receiver, why not? Why fight it? Just let yourself get up to 235, 240, and, and, and uh, he's already one of our best blockers on the whole team at any position. So uh, we feel like moving him to tight end just makes perfect sense. All right, so it is the season to just – allow 10 to 15 more pounds to show up over Christmas break, right? I love Let's go. Keanu Hill. I'm, I'm trying to do that. Let's I go. I am so stoked that he is back, and he can beef up for sure. I imagine he's going to be flexed out quite a bit because he does have that wide receiver capability. And he, he's going to be a mismatch. If a linebacker gets put on Keanu Hill as a tight end, Read about it. good night. Like, see you later. Keanu yeah. Hill advantage all day, every day. He, blo- he blocks really well, as Aaron mentioned. Like, he is a this, team I guy. like this. I, I I'm love not, it. He I'm immediately not, becomes like the number one receiving option in the tight end room. He's immediately. Not, he's well, interesting. He's not an NFL guy as a wide receiver at the moment. Maybe undrafted guy that gets a look. But at tight end? Could at be. Tight end, could be. Do you know another player who was a receiver who bulked up and became a tight end who had a successful NFL career? One, Dennis F. Pitta. Yep. Uh, came as a receiver. So I wonder about Keanu Hill. Yeah, I'm, I love that. I love that. And that group's got Ethan Erickson, who they're excited about his future. And then Jackson Bowers is back. Jackson is a guy who could who could uh, be an NFL 
guy at tight end or whatnot. At multiple positions, yeah. probably. And then, and yeah, because tight end, there's not like a huge step to like tackle after that, right? Or defensive end. Or, or defensive whatever. end, yeah, yeah. The athleticism's there. Yes. And then, of course, uh, Reiner Swanson in that room. And others. So uh, Keanu, that's an exciting group Keanu again. Keanu becomes yeah. my number one option at tight end immediately. Overnight. You know He's his the hands. Dude. Yes. It's, it's just like, okay, in the ground, in line, what do you look like? What's the difference there? So He's going to be a matchup nightmare for different teams when you're trying to because again he's proven his size and hands are there right you throw a jump ball and he's 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 still got great speed for his size right what would that look like when he puts on some weight you know da, da, da. but yeah it's it's exciting man i, I wonder yeah. how much uh lloyd's gonna feed him over the break let's go There's lots lots of good food from Lloyd. big time protein and, uh, let's let's every, do it everybody gonna let's be awesome i love lloyd dude it's great Okay, on the defensive side of the ball, Jay Hill, uh, the defense coordinator, spoke about the biggest emphasis BYU had in improving the defense this recruiting cycle. Well, it definitely was an emphasis. Um, we should have monster, just athletic, nasty D linemen here at BYU. And I think this class is a great start to where we're heading. And we have those guys. I mean, Tyler Batty's one of the best edge rushers in the Big 12 right now. We know that. And we got to continue to bring in guys that get to see how he does it and uh, continue to develop those guys. But it was definitely an emphasis. I love the guys we signed. There's great length and athleticism in this group. And I think Kalani mentioned it uh, earlier on Sports Nation <coughs> that there's some guys here that have growth potentials that could grow into you know, bigger things. And uh, I, I, I think that that's the key in recruiting is the ability to identify that athletic ability and then be able to slide them forward into positions that are best going to suit them. But we do need to be more disruptive in the D-line. We know that. Jay, thanks for watching the program, by the way. Uh, love that. Yes. Uh, you're not stuck in the position you played in high school. That's silly. Um, so you're always going to find the best spot on the field for these guys. And sometimes that means a position switch. And that's okay. Yeah. And uh, I'm excited to see who switches positions, what's going on. Put the best uh, 11 on the field at yes. a given time. So I'm thinking about, okay, who could BYU potentially run out there as starters? Like if we were – I'm looking at a starting defensive which, which line. Yeah specifically here on December 21st. We're way out. But I can't help myself. Tyler Batty Tyler, and I Tyler need Batty, to see the group. Isaiah Banya, Danny Saili. Okay. A I feel like tackle. he'd be an immediate impact guy at defensive tackle. And then maybe a John Nelson who graded out beautifully. Yeah, got hurt at the end and of the year. And then got injured. Hey, yeah, I want to see spring ball and fall and see what these guys look like. Dudes. See who survives the grind of that and who puts on who comes in healthy, who's ready to go. Yeah, it's exciting, man. Uh, you just want you want dudes that you can roll out there and yeah. be like, that team can win this game. They can compete and win, and we feel better than we did a couple weeks ago. Listen, there are guys coming back like Tyler Batty and Isaiah Banya, like those dudes. I have a sneaking suspicion that we're just going to be surprised by somebody that we think is gone on the defensive side that just might come back. I just, it just, there, there might be something there, right? Because of the culture and the movement Tasty. that's happening, I just think there's something there. That'd be nice. That'd be nice. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. And the coach and Hey, fourth and goal game on the line. That's that's the opportunities we live for. Us. 
We are live in Studio B with your day-to-day -day Cougar Sports play-by-play. -play. I'm Jerem Jordan alongside Jason Shepard. What a season for Puka Nakua so far for the LA Rams. 87 grabs, 1,163 yards, and four touchdowns. Spencer Linton went to LA yesterday to talk with the rookie sensation after the Rams win over the Commanders. One year ago, BYU football with Puka Nakua watching from the sidelines, was celebrating a New Mexico Bowl victory over SMU in frigid Albuquerque. At that time, Nakua had some big questions in his mind. How would his health hold up? Would he have a good combine? Would he be drafted? Yes, in the fifth round of the LA Rams, and now we stand in SoFi Stadium in the heart of Los Angeles, where Nakua, in that short time frame, has quickly become one of the most popular players in the NFL. His jersey's been sold out on multiple occasions, not just in L.A., but across the entire league. And he's a legitimate NFL Rookie of the Year candidate, leading all rookie receivers in yards and catches. And now he's helping his team chase a playoff spot. Here's my one-on-one -on -one with Puka Nakua. Puka, it's hard to believe that a little over a year ago, you and I were standing on the Boise Blue celebrating your toe touch grab to beat the Broncos and now here you are a member of the LA Rams and then the rookie of the year conversation just how would you explain the last year of your life um I want to say a movie but it's been the life that I've been able to live and I'm just so extremely ble uh, blessed to be with the guys and just the way my journey has uh, ended up and to be where I am today uh, winning our football game and then just having the experience that I have being able to catch the football and enjoy this NFL moment has been surreal but it's been so fun speaking of surreal we noticed a ton of number 17 jerseys on the way into SoFi Stadium today. And I got to ask, what's that like for you to see so many L.A. Rams fans wearing number 17 with the Nakua name on it? It's, it's a huge honor. I can't, I, my mom was able to come out to this game, so I can't, I can't wait to hear all the stories and stuff from her, being able to see our last name around the stadium. And then just there, there was a moment in the earliest part of the season where my jersey was sold out. So it's just like I couldn't believe Like At first, like, oh, at the Rams stadium, but it's like, oh, NFL-wise, like it was just sold out through like the whole NFL. I'm like, okay, now, like, that's, that one's like, kind of mind-blowing. <laughs> What was your welcome to the NFL moment, if you had one? Yeah, it was in our Seattle game, so it was the first game of the season. We had a we had a pool play where I was supposed to be uh, behind, right behind our lineman, and I'm leaning up for the <laughs> the running back, and I'm going. And I look to the sideline. I'm, I'm like going in the motion, like post snap, and the de defensive tackle just cleans me. Like no, I didn't even see him. Like hits me in my right shoulder, and then the next thing I'm looking up in the sky, like I'm on my back, and it was like a, f a five yard loss. And I'm just like, what in the world just happened? I was like, one second, I'm like, okay, I see my guy. I'm going to block my guy. And the next second, I'm on my back, and where everybody, they're blowing the whistle. So I'm, I'm like, I'm defeated here. <laughs> so that was, he caught me off guard. I was like, my head has got to be on a swivel at all times. I have to see everybody because it was like, he, he I, it felt like a very strong hit. But looking on the tape, it's like, he, he made it seem like I was five pounds out there. Like he threw me like a little ragdoll and he just barely bumped me with his shoulder. So that was the moment where I was like, okay, now it can't happen again. <laughs> Well, the learning curve is steep, no doubt about it, and I know you've talked about that a lot, but where do you feel like you've improved the most uh, as a football player in, in that same year time frame? Um, I think in being able to be uh, more in under control and running routes and more, more body control and understanding where, where the defense is and how to, how to understand leverage and how to make my quarterback right. Number nine makes my job super easy in being able to have the elite ball placement, but being able to uh, torque my body in different ways for catches and then just being able to understand where I need to be in order to make the catch. I know Cooper, Cooper Cup has been a huge mentor for you, and, and you've grown your locker next to him. What's the best bit of advice he's given to you as a receiver in the NFL? Um, 
patience. That's been the number one thing is just to have patience. Um, that's been uh, in the release game, in the run game, especially I do a lot of insert blocking. So stuff where it's like, okay, the defense might have to go out or the, def the defensive end is crashing. So trying to understand the, some of that stuff. So I'm always thinking oh, I got to go 100,000 miles per hour to get my job done. But that's always my thing. Just have patience. Uh, the patience will clear up your picture and make your job just a little bit easier. <laughs> you just talked about the welcome to the NFL moment. Do you have a favorite moment thus far? Um... I think, uh, yeah, 100%. The, um, the Arizona game, we just put, we had them not too long ago. It's like third and maybe 20 and stuff. <laughs> but we called the duo uh, a run play, and I'm going to hit the safety. And I just remember, like, I'm like, okay, me and Buda Baker, like, he's going to come in. He put a good little lick on me, but after like, we hit, we create contact, and I, I turn around, and Kyron, our running back's busting out the backfield for 20. We get, we get the first down on, like, the third and 20 call. And I was just like, man, that block was so satisfying. Like, I was like, yes, we got him. Like, he put a good hit on me, but I was like, oh, we, we a little, not a stale, maybe just stand up right there but I'm just like my job is complete and we got the first down and it's like just a little bit of exert dominance and like yeah let's go I got that one <laughs> outstanding Puka Nakua with some BYU Sports Nation uh, as you push forward in the playoff race um, what's it like to be at this juncture at seven and seven and, and, and be in a, a legit spot to, to get into the playoffs um, I guess it's kind of crazy. I'm not. I'm not a big. Uh, I don't watch too many other football games, but obviously we're coming up in December, and every every game is important now. Being able to have the opportunity to have important games on Sun or in December is has been fun. But I guess the mentality has doesn't change one day at a time. So super excited for. I guess we're still in the Commanders. I'm still in Commanders. I know we're already starting for the Saints and stuff, but I'm going to enjoy this win and relax a little bit as, fun, as much as we can. <laughs> What's it like to see your BYU brethren across the league and come across those experiences and those those conversations with those guys? It was so sweet. The first one, obviously, was with Fred, so that was a tough one, a huge game that we play here with the Rams and stuff, but it was a fun one. Having a, it was There was a couple of tackles where I'm at the bottom of the pile, and he's, Fred's like, yeah, Pook. <laughs> but there was a couple of times when I was on top of the pile, and I didn't say anything, but he's, I'm just like looking down, I was like, I can see you, Fred. <laughs> so that was super sweet. And then in India, I had my first touchdown, and that was Blake Freeland's first start. So we were planning on doing a jersey swap, but I think that was both jerseys that we would want to keep and have for ourselves. So that was so sweet. And then obviously to see Jaron do his thing in a little time that he's had, and then always with some of the older guys I've seen. I saw Zane Anderson out there in Green Bay. See, I wish I could see Tyler and stuff, but uh, I'm, I'm I know I'm forgetting guys, but it's, it's so cool to run across those guys. Especially I know we had a guy from up north, but the Barton brother up there, I saw him, so that was fun. He played with my brother, so it's just been cool. All right, we'll finish with this. Uh, Kalani Satake wanted me to send his greetings to you. Yeah, I know you love Coach. Um, and, and they're coming off a tough season, first year in the Big 12. So what's your advice to Coach Satake, the staff, and all of your former BYU teammates that are still around the program as they push into year two of the Big 12? Yeah, well, I'm going to be back in the summertime where we're going to be getting some good work. But I guess one day, is the, one, one day at a time is the mentality. You, can all, you, can't, win the se you can't win the season for next year um, tomorrow. So one day at a time, just win. Win the day. That's always been the one thing. And stacking those days will get you to where you want to be in December. Puka, let's give you some BYU Sports Nation karma for the playoff push for the rest of your season. Great to catch up with you, brother. Appreciate you always. Go Cougs, baby. <laughs> that smile is worth a million bucks. Puka Nakua will take that infectious energy and turn his attention with the rest of the Rams to Thursday night football when they host none other than the New Orleans Saints featuring, yes, Taysom Hill, Jamal Williams, and Daniel Sorensen. The BYU football brotherhood will combine once again in front of a huge national audience. And while we're talking about the brotherhood and the BYU community in general, I'll add this. The head of Rams PR said to us, I haven't seen Puka Nakua that excited all year to talk to the media. But when you guys walked in with your BYU logos and your cameras, he was super excited. So once again, there's just something special about BYU. All right, we got to go catch a plane at LAX and you know 
It's super easy to get through security there. So we're going to head out for now. Take it away in Studio B. Thanks, Spence. Uh, good stuff with Puka Nakua. And, How uh, awesome is that? Smile's worth probably more than a million bucks. Uh, that dude going to get paid in the next contract after the rookie. There's no question about it. How about <laughs> the fact that his favorite moment so far is a block? Is a block. That it's not a, it's not a catch, it's not a touchdown. He loves football. Yes. Like, all of it. Um, it's been so fun to watch him thrive. And we've kind of wanted this with a skill position player. Frankly, it's been somewhat cathartic given what we haven't been able to enjoy with Zach Wilson and the Jets, and hopefully we will enjoy in the future with him and Jaron Hall. But like Jamal Williams with the Lions and Taysom Hill with the Saints, and now, now the Saints. It's fun to see a skill position player really get after it. And uh, these, these guys the last couple of years in the Satake era, and some of Broncos guys as well, of course, are thriving, man. It's fun. This, this is how it should be, and it will continue to get even better over the next couple of seasons. The fact like. that he has become a... You know, somebody that is getting the national attention and yeah. that people know who he is and have taken note of what he's done. Way to get a jazz reference. Thank you. It was not intended, but hey, they do play the, the Nets tonight. Well, that's why I have purple on today. Oh. Mm. You're not working for Brooklyn? Because you always work for the I am working for teams. Brooklyn tonight. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He hates the jazz. Uh, no, but the fact that he's getting the attention, yeah. and that, that's cool because when he gets the attention, BYU can get the attention. Look, and the one thing about Puka, we know what type of talent he had. Unfortunately, he just had to deal with some injuries while he was at BYU, which kept him from being able to play as consistently as he would have wanted. Thank goodness for him that has not been an issue so far in the NFL. Playing through a shoulder yeah. injury, too. So yeah. I, I love seeing his success because this is a guy that has the talent and now the rest of the country at the highest level is being able to see it. If you have not seen his deep blue, or you've seen it. Go watch it again. It's super emotional. It really tells you about who he is and what he's about. Good stuff from Spencer with Pukinuku. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Yo, what up? Follow BYU Sports Nation on social media, Facebook, Twitter. I'm not calling it that. Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Welcome back to Studio B. I am Spencer. He is Jerem. Let's roll out your Tuesday headlines. National Signing Day is tomorrow for BYU football. Join us on the show as we break down the 2024 signing class with BYU head coach Kalani Satake. Who are the next Cougs? Who's coming in? To be core guys, portal guys, immediate impact freshmen, perhaps. There were some, as we mentioned. Find out tomorrow. Who's the next Ryan Rico? Because the punter has declared for the 2024 NFL Draft. Punted for BYU for the past four seasons. This last season, second in all of FBS in punt average, 48.4 yards per kick. Third in total punts and total punt yardage. He's an NFL kicker. Let's I'll, go. I'll miss him, man. I love, I love watching him punt, oddly enough. New York Jets head coach Robert Sala told the media yesterday that once Zach Wilson clears concussion protocol, he will return to being the Jets' starting quarterback again for the remainder of the season. There are three games left in the regular season. I wish Zach was traded now for his sake. It's, uh, it's a legitimate health and safety concern for him right now. <laughs> Golly. <laughs> I just, yeah. Get on another team. Ugh, some college basketball news. Joe Lunardi has 17th ranked BYU as a four seed in his latest bracketology update. Would be playing UC Irvine in Spokane. But the Dawson Baker game. Spokane 
is a Friday-Sunday site, so that can't actually happen. Unless Joe's like, I don't have BYU winning, they won't make it to Sunday. Give me BYU <laughs> in Salt Lake City, baby. Yeah. The Cougars are still number four overall in net and number five in the Ken Palm ratings. Women's volleyball finishes the season ranked number 18 in the final ABCA poll. The Cougars went 25 and seven overall, 13 and five in Big 12 play. BYU earned a four seed in the NCAA tournament, lost in the second round. And BYU men's volleyball announces they will host a blue and white game on Saturday, December hey. 30th at the Smithfield House. They open their season on Friday, January 5th against Ball State in Provo, live on BYU TV. It's the only sport on BYU TV. I so love en it. Enjoy that. Exclusive. Those are today's headlines. Now some opinions in the whip. The Cougar Whip Round presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Lenardi has BYU versus uh, Gonzaga potentially in the second round in Spokane in his okay. latest bracketology. Uh, okay. By the way, the four sites BYU could play in that are Thursday, Saturday are Charlotte, mm -hmm. Omaha, okay. Pittsburgh, and Salt Lake. All right. Salt Lake, you say. Uh, Okay, four seed BYU, 13 seed UC Irvine, five seed Gonzaga, 12 seed Indiana. Would you take that? Let's throw Spokane out because it's not possible. Would you take that? How do you argue against a four seed for BYU? <laughs> Are you kidding me? That would me? be awesome, man. Yeah, that would be incredible. That means that BYU probably finished like in the top six in the Big 12 yeah. and had a winning record in the Big 12 which they are projected sure. to do right now. So yeah, I would take a four seed. Playing Gonzaga in Spokane in the second round would stink. Like that would not be ideal. Well, throw Spokane out of it. It's not but it's not gonna happen. Yeah. Like, give me Omaha or Salt Lake City. We'll call it good. Uh, Cougar Stats tweeted yesterday, we were talking about Baylor and Kansas State went 11 and seven in the Big 12 last year. Both got three seeds. So you get to 11 and seven, you could, you could go yes. in this range. You go nine and nine, you're a six seed. <laughs> Very well could be. <laughs> our next whip question goes along with our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Fun with numbers. BYU women's volleyball has been ranked in the top 18 in the final ABCA poll for the last decade. 10 straight years, at least number 18. How do you quantify how impressive that is, Jerry? I cannot. 10 years? <laughs> yeah, no, it's amazing. Every week, I'm like, the top 18 streak continues. And so they finish 18. That's awesome. That level of consistency of being uh, very good to great for BYU women's volleyball has been fun to watch. They're, they're a tremendous team. Disappointing they didn't get past the second round this year, but they get to the tourney, they win a game of the tourney, they host, they have a lot of big wins. It was a fun season, man. Yeah, what's even more impressive than that, I think they've been to seven sweet 16s in the decade and two final fours and a national championship match. Yeah. Come on. Like, this, 14 this, and 18, this final is four. an elite, elite program right now that Heather Olmsted has running. BYU Basketball is Mark Pope. It's Thursday night, 8.30 Eastern on BYU TV app and ESPN+. Plus. I saw Mark at the uh, Jazz Nets game last night. He was sitting next to Ryan Smith. Those are pretty good pretty seats. Pretty good seats, yeah. I used to have courtside seats. Now we're at the top of the uh, lower <laughs> bowl. So there you go. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Also, there's a podcast version of this, mm -hmm. typically commercial free, and you can play it like 2X if you want to, or half speed, whatever. Uh, subscribe, rate, and review. That's the beauty of it. Like, if you miss anything about any of the signees that was said earlier in the show, just go back. And it's Kalani all, had some great stuff to say. Yes. Yeah. 
Uh, we'll finish up in Studio B on National Signing Day, uh, and I'll ask you this question. If you had yep. to pick one impact recruit on both sides of the ball, who are the, who are the two guys that you're going with, one offense, one defense? Uh, it, it almost feels too early to know. I want to see him in, in spring ball and fall camp. But today I will say Jack Kelly will compete at linebacker, it would seem, uh, from Weber State. And then I like Reiner Swanson. Um, Jackson Bowers came in and didn't really play like a ton. There was some experience ahead of him. He's going to play this year, I would think. Sure. But Reiner Swanson feels like a guy who could play out of the gate right away with the new tight ends coach. We'll see. Okay. Love that there are multiple guys that you could have, plug you have and names? play. Do you like anybody? Uh, I'm with, I like Danny Ta, uh, Ta'ili. I, I think that, that he's going to make One an of impact the D on tackles. the side. And then Reiner Swanson was my offensive guy as well. Yeah. Man, 6'4", 240, tight end, ready to go. Swanson, Swanson, yes. Samsonite. Samson, I was way off. Way off. Today's Rise and Shout Out presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Let's give it to all of the signees yeah. in the 2024 class, and frankly, their families, for this, everything that they go through this, as well. Absolutely. It should be a celebratory day for all these guys, some of which we'll see in a couple years, some of which we'll see in January. Our thanks to today's guest, Kalani Satake, or today's guest, I should say, the head coach, Kalani Satake. Sorry, Dennis, ran out of time. He was a walk-on out of high school. <laughs> there, 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 there could be walk-ons to come in and have a massive impact, too. Let's go. We're Jeremy. Let's shout-out to Brady Papinga. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear and catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast Every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on BYU TV and BYU Radio.